All right, today I'm here with uh, Robert Vest, and what branch of the military did you serve in? Army. Army? What years? Uh, 82 to 2002. Oh, wow. So full career then, huh? Yes. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Straight out of high school and... No, no. I got out of high school uh, in 78 and uh, went to work at a factory in Bolivar. Okay. And got married, had two kids, and then I went in. Okay. So just the, the opportunity just sounded good and you were just like, I no, need a change? It was just, I needed a change. Yeah. So I decided I'd go in... Uh, the recruiter actually wanted my brother. <laughs> okay. And then he looked at me and said, do you like uh, shooting? I'm like, yeah. He said, do you like camping? I said, yeah. I got the job for you. And two months later, I was in the infantry. Man, that recruiter got you in for a full career after just saying, you like fishing, camping, and floating? Let's go. Well, <laughs> you know, I sit there, and for a lot of years, I thought, you know, can you cuss my he was an asshole, you know. What did he get me into, yeah. you know. okay. But later on in my career, around the 16-year uh, mark, I had to go out on recruiting duty and be a recruiter in Zanesville, Ohio. So I understood where he'd come from. Yeah, of course. So, you, you finally got to see from his perspective. Yes, yes. Yeah, interesting. So what did you, you, you sign up initially to do? What was yeah. your job? Infantry. Infantry? Yeah, just plain old infantry. Did your brother go in too? Nope. He didn't, he even, didn't go out. No. <laughs> he got no. you, they didn't get the brother. He didn't get the brother, but wow. he got me. Yeah. Okay. Full career. So uh where'd you where'd you uh, go to basic at? Uh whenever I enlisted, they I you know, I'd never been really out of the tri state area. Um you know, I lived in a small town halfway to Missouri, you know. Oh yeah. Furthest I think I'd ever been was Kansas City. But uh, I ended up uh, going to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, just for two weeks. And it was hot because it was September. Humid as hell, too. It was bad. Yeah. And then uh, we got our initial issue of all of our clothes and everything. And then they sent me to Fort Benning, Georgia. And I was at Fort Benning. Uh, most jobs in the military, you got your basic and your AIT, which yeah. is Advanced Individual Training. Well... Our basic training covered AIT, so it was six months of nothing but basic training. Ooh, sounds uh, like stripes, man. <laughs> it, 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 it sounds like they they wore our ass out. I can imagine. Oh, it man. wasn't like today. They could, they could actually physically touch Do you. Do whatever they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Man, that's a long basic. And I still remember, now that's been since 1982, the senior drill sergeant's name after all that time, and it was Sergeant First Class Khan. A lot of people can't say they remember that far back, but the thing of it is, when I went in in 82, you got to remember the Vietnam War basically stopped in 74. So a lot of the Vietnam vets were drill sergeants. Yep. And they were assholes. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was quite an Tough experience. dudes. Yeah. Tough dudes. Very yeah. tough. So, did you spend any time overseas? Yeah. Uh, uh, my first duty station was Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, I went to Alaska and trained. Went to Panama. Got my jungle warfare uh, uh, badge there. Uh, was down there. They had some Vietnam Speaking pilots. Speaking of hot weather. 
It, it, it was. It was. <laughs> Man, I can't even imagine. Well, that jungle is not for anybody. And it gives you more perspective of what the Vietnam vets went through. Yeah, I can if imagine. If you ever get into the jungle. Yeah. Because three layers of canopy, even in the middle of the day, it's like early morning. You can't hardly see. And that, that gave you a whole new idea of what they went through in Vietnam. And their pilots, amazing. They would fly the map of the earth, and you'd be over the jungle with your feet. You could actually, two feet below the skid was the canopy of the jungle. Yeah. And they was just left, right, just following the terrain to make you sick pretty quick. I can imagine. But I spent um, my, my initial enlistment uh, a year and a half at Fort Campbell, and then they sent me to Germany. And I was in Swineford, Germany for four years. Did you like it? It was awesome. Yeah, everyone says the same thing, especially they were awesome. over in Germany in the 80s, and I've met a few uh, doing right. this over the years, and everyone says the same thing. Get on a bike, go anywhere you want in Europe. When when I got over there, um, we went, and we went from being 11 Bravos, which is straight-leg infantry, to 11 Mike, which is mechanized, which they fielded the Bradley fighting vehicle, the Bradley tank. So as soon as it come out, we were trained on it, and we become 11 mics after that. So, and it, it that's a whole experience itself, you know, being in a, being in a tank. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you ain't, the, the Bradley took over the place of the 113s, which is just a personnel carrier. All they did was throw some guns on it, a main gun, and it's supposed to be an armor vehicle but it had its downfalls too yeah so. it's hard to, it's hard to make it's hard to make those big things like that move and be i mean you can put a bunch of stuff on it but that just creates a whole bunch of other problems yeah, yeah it you know um i stayed in germany like i say for four years i only had to do a three-year tour but i liked it so much we decided to stay an extra year yeah of course they had some incentives to keep, like, yeah, yeah to keep you yeah there. yeah and I really, really enjoyed Germany. That's awesome. And then after that, I come back to the armpit, which is Fort Hood, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> yeah. That, that is an armpit. Yeah. So. Not a big fan of Fort Hood? Not at all. Not at all. Hot, too. God, they send you to really a lot of hot. hot places. But you got four years of Germany, yeah. so it's not too bad. Well, I ended up overall doing seven years in Germany. Really? So you yeah. got a chance to go back then? I went back. Nice. Yeah. So... Uh, Went to Mannheim the second time, and that's where the American prison is over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a few people in there. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> there is, but for the most part, when I got back to Fort Hood, uh, I was getting ready to leave, actually. And, of course, Desert Storm kicked off. So uh, we was one of the first units to go over there. Wow. And, of course, we sit in... Uh, Waited uh, in Saudi Arabia. I think it took our tanks 45 days to get there by boat. So then after they got there, then they the port couldn't hold all the soldiers. So as soon as our equipment got there, they just pushed us out into the desert. And that sucked. I can imagine. It, it really, really sucked. Uh, when we was at Fort Hood before we left, our unit was getting ready to disband is disbanding it so all of our support in our in our brigade was gone 
they'd already got rid of them and they was getting ready to get rid of us and move us to other units. And when this kicked off, they sent us over and we didn't have a support. So they attached us to the 1st Cab Division. And 1st Cab couldn't, couldn't keep up with us. I mean, they just couldn't support us. I mean, we was out, and it's pretty funny. Uh, we took ponchos. You get, you understand on a Bradley, you got dismounts, and then you got the mounted crew. The mounted crew, crew consists of a, a gunner, a driver, and a commander. And then you got eight dismounts in the back of each one, four tanks per company. So that's 32 guys you got on the ground, whereas you got 12 guys actually stay on the vehicle. Yeah. So when we got over there, we kind of split up. We were still close to the vehicles, but we had like all the dismounts was over here, the mounted stay with the vehicles. And I was platoon sergeant, well, I had been a platoon sergeant and they brought in another platoon sergeant to replace me because they outranked me. And we had a scud alert. And when you have a scud alert, everybody's got to get on the tank. Well, I got all the dismounts ready because I was in charge of them and sent them to the tanks. Well, the platoon sergeant had come in. He had never worked in the field before. And he was in the tank. Well, I noticed my guys wasn't getting on the tank because I had to make sure everybody got on. I was the last one to get on. And I said, why ain't you guys on? He said he won't drop the ramp. So I jumped up on the tank, kicked the driver's hatch open. It's a latch you kick and it pops up. I said, let the ramp down. He said, Sergeant Galvin won't let me. Who was the platoon sergeant? I said, you either put it down or I'll rip your ass out of there and put it down myself. So he lets it down and I jump off. And I run around there and he's up against a turret crying. He's bawling his eyes out. And I heard on the radio they did a stand down. There's a false alert. So I had the guys leave. And I went in there and I ate his ass out so bad. Went to the first sergeant and said, you're going to have to do something with him. He ain't going to make it. he make a decision like that and it's just a fake alert, you know. So, and the guys hated him. They they just couldn't stand him. Well, because he, he didn't have no experience. No. How, how are you going to take him in? I mean, it's hard to, that's, that's you know, that's one of the things they say about leaders. You're pushing. Yeah. You're pushing with the guys up front. You have to be. What's amazing is last year, some of them got a hold of me on Facebook. Now, these are guys I hadn't seen in 28 years. And five of them come to my house. And a couple of them stayed a week. The other guy stayed like four days. One big party of drinks. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was an awesome, awesome time. That's great. But it was the only time since I come back that I actually went to bed and slept all night. Really? I don't know why. And then the 12th of next month, there's 10 of them supposed to be coming. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got them coming, you know, from, from Fort Benning, Georgia, from uh, uh, Myrtle Beach, uh, Pennsylvania. You guys should be going to Myrtle Beach. What the hell are you thinking? They want, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm the oldest. But it's also probably more low-key coming well, here, especially with everything that's going on. It's probably a lot better to come here more low-key. Well, most of them alcoholics. Yeah. You know, Lord did did screw you up. Yeah, we uh, we were down at the highway of death. So it wasn't like these guys never seen any combat. Yeah. One of them, uh, we was clearing a compound, and I sent a squad, 
on the right side to go through the cars, another squad to the left side. Now you remember, I had 32 guys, so I split them up and then I took down through the middle of the building. It was like a hangar. But I mean, it was like, you know, probably 400 yards long. It's a big building with a lot of, a lot of rooms in it, and we was clearing them from room to room. And then all of a sudden, in this window, somebody pops up. So I pull my M16 up and I pull the trigger on him by having my M16 on safe. And to this day, I thank God I did because it was one of my soldiers. And he was on the outside. And he jumped up in the window. So. Needless to say, shoot his ass for that too. I bet he's never forgot it. Oh yeah, I, yeah. And he tells that story to everybody. I bet that I about killed his ass over there. Yeah, but he's the one. He's in Myrtle Beach, and he comes. And there, you know, it's it's amazing how you've got such a bond after almost thirty years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, that's that's. I mean, it's it's what doesn't can make you stronger. And when you're going through something like that with other people. No one else is ever going to understand. Even, even, even after, even other veterans like you guys get each other, but your bond are with the guys that you served with because of what you went through together. Exactly. And no one else is going to be able to compare that. Your family can't. Your kids can't. It's just those guys, and that's in. In it's a weird and it's an interesting thing about being humans that that's the way things are. Right. You know, on different, on completely different levels. Even with you know, you think about. For some going through, I mean, I'm not comparing being in the military and high school are the same thing, but for some, high school is a pain in the ass. Yeah. And it, it sucks, and you know, but some of those friendships that you make that last a lifetime, it's because you all had to endure that hell together. Exactly. It's not the same level of shit, but at the same time, it's, you know. Well, you know, just, you, we had our fun times. Yeah, okay. of course, you have to. We, we had our fun times. Like, you know, over there, there's a stickler. You got, um, of a morning. Uh, before first light, uh, most attacks that happened in Vietnam happened either in the early morning or in the middle of the night. So they got what they call stand to. That's where you get everybody out, everybody's awake, expecting an attack. Of course, it was for. Hey, Mikey. How you doing, brother? Yeah. Of course, it was just for training purpose only. You know, get your ass up, get out there, be ready for that. Well, we did that every day. Well, we go there, and the war hadn't begun yet. And so on Sundays, now you trained every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, after stand-to on Sunday, we would go train for about four hours, and then we could play football, something like that, you know what I'm saying, for a couple hours and then some downtime. Well, I sent my guys out because I had to go see the first sergeant, and I said, hey, so, Mitchell, you take these guys out there, do your training with them, and then we'll come back and play football. He said, okay. So, I went and seen first hour, and I come down there, and when I got down there, there's a big sand dune. And all the guys are down below it. Now, we're talking about a 25, 30-foot drop. Well, there's two guys standing up on top, and they're going to jump off that sand dune. Now, the thing of it is, that sand looks nice and cushy. It's not... The boy jumped off, and he hit with his feet, and his head hit between his legs and actually hit the sand. I mean, it was just like feet hit, head come forward, and hit. Well, he broke his leg. Oh, of course he did. Bone sticking out. And I'm like, okay. And here, 
Sergeant Mitchell and all the guys holding up cards. Eight, nine, ten, 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 you know. I was like, you son of a bitches. So I went and I called for a medic. Medic come over there, put him on the gurney, and he actually went all the way back to the rear. I mean, back to forward hood. And them guys, you know, when they found out, they was like, hey, we're going to jump off some sand. You <laughs> getting out of here. But, you know, things like that, we had a, yeah, had a good time. And you'd be surprised how, how ingenious. See, I worked at the prison for a while down here. And uh, you get a bunch of inmates together. And you might have somebody that's a carpenter, somebody that's an electrician. You know, they come up with some pretty Hell yeah. elite shit. In the military, it's the same thing because you're getting kids from all backgrounds. Yeah. Well, one of our guys was good at making moonshine. So, of course, you know, we, we had these bottles buried. We had, we get this, uh, in your MREs, you had mixed fruit, you had strawberries. <laughs> then you take some yeast, put it in there, mix it with some water, it'll ferment, and we put condoms over the top of the bottle so when that condom stands straight yeah, up, yeah, that's right. it's ready. Yeah, yeah. So every time we got a chance to play football, everybody's just drunk as <laughs> shit. I mean, drunk as shit. So it, it was a lot of fun till you know, Actually, we wouldn't work. Yeah, to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I was uh, one of my soldiers. You got a checkpoint when you come in to our area of operation, AO, and you put guards out there. Now there's ninety percent chance nobody because we was back. You know, it hadn't started yet. Yeah. Well, you put a private or an E four and below in with a buck sergeant. Okay. And they keep each other awake. Well, one of my soldiers I had to put out on guard duty with a sergeant from another platoon. Well, the sergeant from the other platoon got out of the foxhole, checkpoint, went went to sleep. Left my guy there. Well, when first sergeant come through, my guy was asleep. And first sergeant was assed up. So he calls me up there. And he wanted to bust him. I said, no, you ain't going to bust him. I said, that's bullshit. I said, that E5 wasn't there with him. He crawled out. He's the one that needs his ass chewed. He said, well, he's going to... Thank you. Okay. No, I'm fine. He said, well, then he's going to burn shit. And let me tell you, have you ever burned shit before? No, but I've heard the stories... I've, but, heard, I've heard about it, and I, I know, I know, I know about, I know about that situation. But what I did, and it sounds horrific. I told my first sergeant, I said, "Well, he ain't gonna burn shit." He said, "Then you're gonna burn it." And I said, "Then I'll burn it," because I would not let my soldier get punished for something that really wasn't his fault. Yeah, somebody else's. So you end up having to do it. I ended up doing oh, it. Oh, jeez, please. You know, and you know what? That soldier. Is like a brother to me. I bet. Even though I was his boss, now ranked, he calls me, checks on me, see if I'm all right. That's awesome. But you know, we're talking. How long goes that? Hey, yeah, man, they're for, they're for life. They're for life, dude. They're so for life. But I've seen a lot of the country. Um, like I said, Panama, Alaska, Europe, seven years, Southwest Asia, uh, Ohio. When I recruited. Uh, Fort Hood, uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, Benning, uh, I was all over. Man, 
Like Johnny Cash. I was all over. Everywhere, man. That's great. Speaking of Johnny Cash, I know you're like a... The rock stuff. I've listened to all kinds of music. Do you listen to country music? Classic country, yes. Anything, 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 anything 95 and pre. Well, they've got an artist out. He's been out for about six years. His name's Cole Swindell. Yeah, I know Cole. Yeah, yeah. Says you ain't worth the whiskey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, his driver is my son. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. What a gig! So that afforded me the chance. I've met him. That's golfed awesome. with him. Oh yeah. You know, is he a good uh, golfer? Really good. Golfer. Really, I bet. Yeah. When the women's PGA was down in Florida, they had like a celebrity could golf with one of the females uh-huh. or two of them, and he's one of the really down there golfing. Yeah. That's cool. So, That's awesome. That's great. And I got to meet, you know, Luke Bryan. I, yeah. I met so many people through my son. That's cool. And he does have a gig. Yeah, that's that's a cool gig, man. And those guys usually really, really trust those drivers. Man. It's really cool. Well, um, Foots here. Thanks yeah. for your, uh, sharing your story with me today. All it right. was awesome. It's awesome meeting you. Thank you, of course, for your service. And well, thank uh, thanks you. for coming to lunch today, man. Yeah. Yeah.